It's July 24th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast, an unedited, raw look into uh, my devotion life as I'm just reading the text and inviting you to share your thoughts along the way. Because for me, the Bible came to life, and the first time I was able to read the whole thing from cover to cover was when I had somebody read it to me. And so I'm trying to pass that along to somebody else. And if we help just one person get into this amazing story and read the Bible from cover to cover, it'll be worth it. Because so many of us would claim this to be the basis, the foundation for our life, and yet we've never read the whole book. For me, I was convicted of this when I became a student pastor, and I realized I'm teaching a book that I haven't read from cover to cover. Maybe you felt the same way. And this book was originally written for community. It was originally read in community. And now we just kind of say, do it yourself. And I don't think that's the best way. So on this podcast, we read it together. And we're going to start today in Second Chronicles chapters 11 through chapter 13. Big reading today in the Old Testament. And as always, we're in the New Living Translation. Second Chronicles chapter 11, verse 1. When Rehoboam arrived at Jerusalem, he mobilized the men of Judah and Benjamin, 180,000 select troops, to fight against Israel and to restore the kingdom to himself. But the Lord said to Shemaiah, the man of God, say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the Israelites in Judah and Benjamin, this is what the Lord says, do not fight against your relatives, go back home, for what has happened is my doing. (laughs) I feel like this should be our verse for Thanksgiving. You know, we talked... Uh, a couple days ago about taking the verse about America out of context. If you're going to take a verse out of context, use this one, especially in an election year. Like, I, I need to make shirts with this. This is what the Lord says. Do not fight against your relatives. Go back home. Like, if we just did that, Thanksgiving would be so much better. Anyways, so they obeyed the message of the Lord and did not fight against Jeroboam. Let me know if you would want one of those shirts. I think that'd be awesome. Verse 5. Rehoboam remained in Jerusalem and fortified various towns for the defense of Judah. He built up Bethlehem, Edom, Tekoa, Bethzer, Soko, Adalam, Gath, Meriah, Ziph, Adoram, Lachish, Ezekiah, Zariah, Ajalon, and Hebron. These became the fortified towns of Judah and Benjamin. Rehoboam strengthened their defenses and stationed commanders in them, and he stored supplies of food, olive oil, and wine. He also put shields and spears in these towns as further safety measures, so only Judah and Benjamin remained under his control. But all the priests and Levites living among the northern tribes of Israel sided with Rehoboam. The Levites even abandoned their pasture lands and properties and moved to Judah and Jerusalem, because Jeroboam and his sons would not allow them to serve the Lord as priest. Jeroboam appointed his own priests to serve at the pagan shrines where they worshipped the goat and calf idols he had made. From all the tribes of Israel, those who sincerely wanted to worship the Lord, the God of Israel, followed the Levites to Jerusalem where they could offer sacrifices to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. This strengthened the kingdom of Judah, and for three years they supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon. For during those years they faithfully followed in the footsteps of David and Solomon. So I hope you're listening really closely because we've got two kings that have names that are very similar. There's Rehoboam, it starts with an R, and there's Jeroboam with a J. Verse 18, we talk about Rehoboam's family. Verse 18, Rehoboam married his cousin, Mahalathan, the daughter of David's son, Jeremoth, and of Abiel, the daughter of Elib, son of Jesse. Mahalath had three sons, Jeush, Shemariah, and Zahim. 
Later, Rehoboam married another cousin. Okay, dude, like one cousin? I was like, that's ah, not good. But now two cousins? That's just kind of weird. Macca, the granddaughter of Absalom. Just reading the Bible, folks. Macca gave birth to Abijah, Atiah, Ziza, and Shilomith. Rehoboam loved Macca more than any of his other wives slash cousins. It, it doesn't say that, but I added that because it seems like all he marries is his cousins. Anyways, any of his other wives and concubines. In all, he had 18 wives and 60 concubines. And they gave birth to 28 sons and 60 daughters. Wowzers. Verse 22. Rehoboam appointed Makkah's son Abijai as leader among the princes, making it clear that he would be the next king. Rehoboam also wisely gave responsibilities to his other sons and stationed some of them in the fortified towns throughout the land of Judah and Benjamin. He provided them with generous provisions, and he found many wives for them. Moving on to chapter 12, verse 1. But when Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord, and all Israel followed him in this sin. Because they were unfaithful to the Lord, King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign. He came with 12,000 chariots and 60,000 horses and a countless army of foot soldiers, including Libyans, Sakites, and Ethiopians. Shishak conquered Judah's fortified towns and then advanced to attack Jerusalem. The prophet of Shemaiah then met with Rehoboam and Judah's leaders, who had all fled to Jerusalem because of Shishak. Shemaiah told them, this is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me, so I am abandoning you to Shishak. Then the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is right in doing this to us. When the Lord saw their change of heart, he gave this message to Shemaiah. Since the people have humbled themselves, I will not completely destroy them and will soon give them some relief. I will not use Shishak to pour out my anger on Jerusalem, but they will become his subjects, so they will know the difference between serving me and serving earthly rulers. So King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stole everything, including all the gold shields Solomon had made. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze shields as substitutes, and he entrusted them to take care of the commanders of the guard who protected the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the temple of the Lord, the guards would also take the shields and then return them to the guard room. Because Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger was turned away, and he did not destroy him completely. There were still some good things in the land of Judah. King Rehoboam firmly established himself in Jerusalem and continued to rule. He was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city the Lord had chosen from among all the tribes of Israel as the place to honor his name. Rehoboam's mother was Nama, a woman from Amnon. But he was an evil king, for he did not seek the Lord with all his heart. The rest of the events of Rehoboam's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the record of Shemaiah the prophet and the record of Edo the seer, which are part of the genealogical record. Rehoboam and Jeroboam were continually at war with each other. When Rehoboam died, he was buried in the city of David, and his son Abijai became the next king. That concludes chapter 12, moving into chapter 13, verse 1. Abijai began to rule over Judah in the 18th year of Jeroboam's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother was Maka, the daughter of Uriel from Geba. Then war broke out between Abijai and Jer Jeroboam. Judah, led by King Abijai, fielded 400,000 select warriors, while Jeroboam mustered 800,000 select troops from Israel. 
When the army of Judah arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Abijah stood on Mount Zimri and shouted to Jeroboam and all Israel, Listen to me. Don't you realize that the Lord, the God of Israel, made a lasting covenant with David, giving him and his descendants the throne of Israel forever? Yet Jeroboam, son of Nebat, a mere servant of David's son Solomon, rebelled against his master. Then a whole gang of scoundrels joined him, defying Solomon's son, Rehoboam, when he was young and inexperienced and could not stand up to them. Do you really think you can stand against the kingdom of the Lord that is led by the descendants of David? You may have a vast army, and you have those gold calves that Jeroboam made as your god. But you have chased away the priests of the Lord, the descendants of Aaron and the Levites, and you have appointed your own priest, just like the pagan nations. You let anyone become priests these days. Whoever comes to be dedicated with a young bull and seven rams can become a priest of these so-called gods of yours. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not abandoned him. Only the descendants of Aaron serve the Lord as priests, and the Levites alone may help in their work. They present burnt offerings and fragrant incense to the Lord every morning and evening. They place the bread of the presence on the holy table, and they light the gold lampstand every evening. We are following the instructions of the Lord our God, but you have abandoned him. So, you see, God is with us. He is our leader. His priests blow their trumpets and lead us into battle against you. O people of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your ancestors, for you will not succeed. Meanwhile, Jeroboam had secretly sent part of his army around behind the men of Judah to ambush them. When Judah realized that they were being attacked from the front and the rear, they cried out to the Lord for help. Then the priests blew the trumpets, and the men of Judah began to shout. At the sound of their battle cry, God defended Jeroboam and all Israel and routed them before Abijah and the army of Judah. The Israelite army fled from Judah, and God handed them over to Judah in defeat. Abijah and his army inflicted heavy losses on them. 500,000 of Israel's select troops were killed that day. So Judah defeated Israel on that occasion because they trusted in the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Abijah and his army pursued Jeroboam's troops and captured some of his towns, including Bethel, Janasha, Ephron, along with their surrounding villages. So Jeroboam of Israel never regained his power during Abijah's lifetime, and finally the Lord struck him down and he died. Meanwhile, Abijah of Judah grew more and more powerful. He married 14 wives and had 22 sons and 16 daughters. The rest of the events of Abijah's reign, including his words and deeds, are recorded in the commentary of Edo the prophet. That concludes our Old Testament reading for the day, moving into the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. This is some of the most powerful, beautiful, and well-known scripture uh, in all of the Bible. Romans 8, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us from 
whom God has chosen for his own. No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is setting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That concludes our New Testament reading, and can I get an amen? Man, that text just sings. I love it. It makes me want to worship God right now. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs 19. It's going to be verses 27 through 29. Proverbs 19, verse 27. If you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge. A corrupt witness makes a mockery of justice. The mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. Punishment is made for mockers, and the backs of fools are made to be beaten. Finally, uh, we will be reading Psalm 18, verses 37 through 50 in a posture of prayer. Psalm 18, verse 37. I chased my enemies and caught them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I struck them down so they could not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. You placed my foot on their necks. I have destroyed all who hate me. They called for help, but no one came to their rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer. I ground them as fine as dust in the wind. I swept them into the gutter like dirt. You gave me victory over my accusers. You appointed me ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. As soon as they hear me, they submit. Foreign nations cringe before me. They all lose their courage and come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He subdues the nations under me and rescues me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies, and you save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king, and you show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. Lord, I praise you that through Jesus, verse 50 can be true for me. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and to all his descendants forever. Lord, I am not Jewish and I am not a blood descendant of King David, as far as I know. But through Jesus Christ, he came and died for my sin, rose again, and uh, now invites me to not only share in his resurrection, but I get to share in the family of God. I'm adopted by the blood of Jesus. And I am a descendant of your people. And because of that, Lord, I know that your victories will be great and your love is unfailing, not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ has done on my behalf. Lord, I pray that my listeners could walk away today with that faith and that confidence that only comes through your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.